All right, we're back already. This is episode number 51, uh, Chunky Glass, the podcast. It is only a day later, which is hard to believe. Uh, but if you heard episode 50, then it's pretty clear why we could not uh, plug in artist interview into that. Uh, something about disrespecting the artist by sandwiching them between two segments about cloning John Oates. No disrespect to John Oates. And if you're interested in that and you haven't checked it out, please, episode 50. Episode 51, on the other hand, uh, is going to be an interview with uh, David Wax of David Wax Museum. Uh, in 2010, uh, David Wax Museum sort of was the breakout artist at Newport Folk Festival. Uh, it got the attention of NPR and pretty much everybody else. And then went on just the crazy touring schedule, uh, uh, putting on one of the best live shows you are likely to see. Uh, by the end of it, if they aren't out in the audience or the audience isn't up on stage, uh, then something has gone wrong. Um, their music is a brand of it's sort of a mix of uh, Mexican sun music and, and Americana uh, super high energy in 2012 they put out uh, an album that topped my best of list uh, Knock Knock Get Up uh, and then since then they've been touring some but they've also been uh, starting a family uh, David and Suze are actually married uh, and they've been relocating from the uh, northeast uh, to southeast now around here um, so when they stopped by the 930 Club uh, last Tuesday, uh, I sat down with David and we talked about all that, talked a little bit about pop music and talked about where the band is going from here. Uh, so I hope you enjoy this. This is episode number 51 of Chunky Glass of the Podcast and this is uh, our interview with David Wax of David Wax Museum. It happens here and it finishes here. Two men enter... One man. Really, a two-word review is just a shit sandwich. Oh, record up in the That right there, he is a wonderful power. That's about it. So, right. w- welcome back to DC, David Wax. Thanks. It's great to be back. Yeah, uh, I've been trying to catch up with you for a while. I think since uh, Newport, um, saw you there, and then just have been like we've been reviewing your albums for a good yeah. long while. Like Knock Knock Get Up was, I th- think, it was my number one of like 2012. Awesome. Yeah, it was, it was a great you. thing. I'm, I heard your podcast about it. Oh, did you? <laughs> so you were the one of the two people that listened okay. to it. That's amazing. Um, so you, you guys recently, and we were talking like before this. So I, I was going to ask you uh, how you end up doing a like being from Rhode Island and end up doing a sort of a residency down in Charlottesville. But you, you've recently like sort of relocated, right? Yeah. Well, the band got started in Boston, in okay. kind of the Cambridge Somerville area of Boston. Uh-huh. Uh, but Susan's from Charlottesville. Yeah. And uh, so it's been a place that we've gone to time and time again, right. and. Um, 
and now that there's a family yeah. kind of element here, um, it just made sense to be around more family and have a community, like yeah. the built-in community that is in Charlottesville for us. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and well, you guys just had a, was it a girl? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, f- almost five months ago. Nice. So what's her name? Calliope. Really? She's, you can probably maybe yeah. hear her crying. <laughs> yeah, it'll, it'll definitely pick it up. Um, so it's, I, f- I feel like what we're trying to do in terms of being, surviving uh-huh. as independent musicians is, uh, is sometimes daunting. And I think that when I was living in Massachusetts without any family around, right. we had a great community, but it's, um, once we moved out to the countryside in Western Massachusetts, mm-hmm. it felt even more kind of isolating to try to pull off yeah, yeah, what yeah, we're yeah, doing, yeah. the logistical feat. Right, of, right. And, 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 but the first two albums you guys did, they both, or all your albums have actually been sort of self-produced, self-promoted and everything. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the last two were not self-produced. Oh. Uh, but they were in terms of... Oh, uh, sorry, Sam Kasserer. Is mm-hmm. that how you say his last Sam name? Sam Kassir. Kassir, yeah. Yeah, but they were independently released. Okay. Uh, all of our projects have been so far. Was that a conscious decision when you guys started out uh, that this is how you were going to do it and sort of be a sustainable thing? Or is it just well, given the marketplace of like music today, that's yeah. your best option? I mean, option. we haven't... I think it's just given the reality of, of the market. Right. But I think that we're at a point now where... If we could, if we found the right partner, right, and the next release, we would certainly welcome that. I think there seems to be a limit at the stage we're at to doing it on our own, mm-hmm. and I think we're kind of running up against that a little bit now. And so I think just yeah. to have more of a team helping get the record sure. out into the world to make sure it's heard, we'd benefit from that. Yeah, yeah um, absolutely. So we're certainly open and starting to explore those options for the next record. Yeah, are you guys working on that now? Well, we've been, been mostly years, rehearsing. Yeah. This new songs. So uh-huh. I mean, I've been writing a lot over yeah. the last two years since the last one was recorded, and um, we've just been in Charlottesville with the van rehearsing, right. kind of, which is a good place to do it. Yeah, <laughs> it's great. Just working on demos. Yeah, um, just trying to get a sense of the new material. Cool. Are you getting to know any of the musicians down there? I know. I thought uh, yeah. you played with uh, Sam Wilson. Oh yeah, yeah. Have yeah. you met uh, Brian Caputo yet? I haven't met him yet. I mean, I've known him from when he used to play with Sons of Bill. Yeah, I met him once. Back yeah, in the yeah, day. yeah, yeah. I've known him. Oh God. 15 years now oh, you, should, nice. you should talk to him he's, yeah, he's an am- great amazing guy amazing drummer he's just good well, yeah it's a rich music scene we're, we're just kind of starting to get our bearings but we did a residency there mm-hmm. when we f- first moved down this winter yeah and that was kind of an excuse to collaborate with local musicians right and uh, to start kind of seeing who's down there and right. who could kind of I mean, we have a pretty set touring band right now mm-hmm. um but everybody lives very far apart, so there's. It's nice to kind of build up right. Charlottesville, you know, band for local gigs. Is everybody up in uh, Boston? No, none of, nobody's, no, nobody's there. In America, just yeah, our drummers in Athens, Georgia. Okay, and uh, Greg, our bass player, is in Santa Fe, New Mexico. Okay, and Jordan, our accordion keyboard player, my cousin, he's kind of in between places. He's yeah. been in Santa Fe most recently. Cool. Are you? Um, <clears throat> Like they, they were just talking about the uh, the sell through already and stuff. So I mean, you guys are doing actually okay. I think you're going on this tour with uh, it's Carolina Chocolate Drops and who else? Well, yeah, we're doing two shows with opening for the Carolina Chocolate okay. Drops, and then we're doing all the other shows are headlining shows for the most part, except uh, in LA we're playing uh, Cobill with oh. Santa Cecilia. Okay, how many weeks are you going to be out? Uh, it's about three and a half, four weeks. Yeah, good so yeah, first big run. We've done some touring with the baby, but this is our yeah, first. I was gonna say. Like, all right, here is, we go. Is it, Here's the uh, adventure. Uh, are you are you finding 
I don't necessarily envision you guys as like, you know, the rock and roll partiers before, <laughs> but certainly now I would say that that would not be uh, quite the reality. Are, are you finding yeah. uh, it's easier to tour with her along or despite uh, the obvious? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's still maybe too early to say because the other tours have been small that we've done with her so mm-hmm. far. Um, I think that, I mean, it's now it's kind of like we're in that we have the the whole kind of village mm-hmm. with us. We always have friends in different cities helping out. Yeah, Susan, yeah. Susan's dad's going to come on the road next week with us oh, nice. for most of the tour to help out nice. during the shows. My cousin Jordan's in the band, so yeah. and, and Greg and Philip are really involved. So, you know, we have a lot of uh, support uh, to yeah. do it, and I it means you know leaving earlier in the morning so we have breaks for yeah. nursing yeah. and the car, and it's um, you know. But I think we never we're a partying band right, you know? right so it's not there's not any adjustment really on that end yeah um and if anything it's just you know i think uh one of the kind of important things for us about living on the road is building up a community while we yeah. do it and i think now that we have the child on the road with us that's even more important yeah kind of have that family and community on the road for, for some sense of stability for the child so I think if anything, it'll just we'll be reaching out more and depending more on our community to pull this off. Absolutely, yeah, and so. I think I think that's a, a really uh, Im- important thing. I think especially like younger musicians, like they hear something like that, that that's how you do it. Like going forward, I know in DC there's a scene. It, it, and back in the day, it was like a punk scene. Now mm-hmm. it's sort of scattershot. It's all over the place, mm-hmm. but uh, they're. There's actually a remarkable number of, of working musicians, and this is what they do, and they're, they're not mm-hmm. supporting themselves with other jobs, mm-hmm. and they're doing this, and they're relying on, uh, like you said, a network of people in each town and stuff and doing this mm-hmm. um, instead of, like, I guess, as nice as it would be, kind of, you know, like, you know, the get rich off one single mm-hmm. thing yeah. and just keep on going through that. Um, when I want to get back a little like into your past because something that I've been wondering about when, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, it, you've talked about like your interests, you know, and the Mexican sun music and everything before that. Mm-hmm. When, when do you think that you, uh, were, you knew you were interested in, in writing songs and then was there like a, before your interest in that style of music? And like, mm-hmm. I guess, how did that assimilate into it? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, I was interested in songs, and writing songs from a pretty early age. Mm-hmm. I was doing it when I was 13. Yeah. Um, and kind of as soon as I picked up a car, guitar before I really right. knew anything about music or how to play the instrument, I, I mean, yeah. it was really as a vehicle to to be able to play, mm-hmm. write songs. Sure. And so that's been a common thread, you know, throughout yeah. kind of my young adult life and, and as it, uh, going into kind of now my early 30s. Yeah. So I think that as I've gone there, you know, I've always gotten into some style of music or some songwriter and that's influenced, um, that's had like a real clear influence on the way mm-hmm. that I was approaching the writing or if I got into a particular kind of type of poetry and then what that made me think about as a lyricist. Um, and then when I was in Mexico, I mean, I was drawn to going there because I loved the music, but I didn't have a plan or foresee that it would influence my writing. Right. I mean, right. but as soon as I got interested in it, and then got kind of went there and, and tried to actually learn it and get mm-hmm. deeper into it. It it came pretty pretty naturally, I'd say, is just kind of like, wow, I found that I can express myself in a real particular way that is exciting for me and mm-hmm. feels authentic when I start, you know, when I play 
it kind of through this twisted prism of kind of you know right my way right. of approaching the sound right. it, music, it fit you know? your expression yeah i mean before like i mean it was the stuff you were doing like before still sort of in the folky vein mm-hmm. type of stuff yeah in the alt country i mean at yeah. different points there was maybe a more pop but only pop in the way that like beatles are pop you know like, well it's it, yeah it's funny mm-hmm. you say that because like it, I've, if you listen to your albums at all which i like just getting ready for this interview like i, I listened to, like the whole catalog mm-hmm. And you can, there's a definite progression, but I think what's at the core of this is that, like, you're a, a classically good songwriter. And I don't quite know how you identify that or, mm-hmm. or quantify that, but, like, there's things that work mm-hmm. when you write a song that are going to, uh, you, you're going to hear it and you're just going to respond to it, like, yeah, yeah. And whatever that is, like, you have and, like, the band that you're playing with has and keeps. Uh, I guess maturing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, you could call that pop because mm-hmm. it is, it does have, have a mass appeal. I think. Um, well, we'll see about that. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, not yet, but I mean, so <laughs> I guess I guess where I'm getting with that is that if do you see continuing to explore down like the avenue that you've gone now, um, like sort of be tied to that as much, or is there? Is there going to be like more experimentation going forward, mm-hmm. or how do you see your songwriting changing? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's an astute observation. That I mean, my model as a songwriter primarily has been mm-hmm. those kind of classic songwriters, yeah. you know, and that's what I, I spent the most time listening to as a younger person, mm-hmm. and kind of what I'd always come back to was Paul Simon and Bob Dylan and Leonard yeah. Cohen, and you know, the kind of triumvirate of that, and then mm-hmm. the Towns Van Zandt, and yeah. Um, you know, but even you know, like Randy Newman and yeah, yeah. Tom Waits, yeah, all those guys. You know. I mean, they're. I mean, some of them. I mean, a lot of people. It's weird they have a hard time digesting Randy Newman or Tom Waits too. Yeah. But there's no denying, like uh, as a musician, like I play as well. But like you, you can look at that and know what they're doing to mm-hmm. a degree. Mm-hmm. Like there's no secret formula, but you can be like, oh, that's actually how you do it. Mm-hmm. And so when you said Paul Simon. Um, because I do see a lot of how he writes and what you write for and sure. Stuff. Yeah, for sure. That's been a big influence. Um, and yeah. And so, and that's a, I mean, easy, if not lazy connection for me to make just with like the world music aspect of it, but, mm-hmm. but it's yeah. there, Yeah, you know? Um, I mean, is that, like I said, is that gonna, I guess, ease its way out? Is it going to stay front and center? Is it like, do you have a metal yeah. project in your back pocket? <laughs> no, no. I mean, I think it maybe will be even a little more prominent on the next record. It feels that way. The songs kind of have a sense of like, they sound to me like these more kind of classic, you know, rock, pop songs right. but done through the prism of the David Wax Museum. So they're yeah. done with this kind of, there's a folk vent, bent, and there's this kind of bent where, you know, what we all listen to is like old folk music. Yeah. And what where a lot of the thread for the band is this old Mexican folk music now yeah. because people have kind of. In the, in the band have come to it now on their own in a way right, right, developed right. their own relationship with it mm-hmm. and incorporated that into the, the sound so there's definitely a sense of um, you know we can't I guess I, I feel like we can't be pop in one sense like we can't these songs might be kind of classic in a like an um, I guess it depends on how you understand that word like the formula mm-hmm. it's not like some kind of like real I don't know. It doesn't sound like a modern contemporary indie rock song, no, no, or it doesn't sound like, you know, 
I don't know. It's not like James Blake or something. It's like there's a. It's like there's a verse and there's a chorus. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And there's a bridge. No, there, know, there, like, there's. Yeah, there's a. And it's it's like I said. You, you can see he's struggling <laughs> with that. It's so hard to quantify. I was talking with um, a guy. Uh, there's a band out of Austin called Hundred Visions, mm-hmm. and Ben, the uh, lead singer in that, he is a remarkable songwriter. But he like. It's like gets frustrated if you talk about it, mm-hmm. but he knows it just innately. It yeah. just like it comes to him, uh, which is the same that you have. And I mean, that's why like knock knock get up, like it. I I listened to it today. I was like, yeah, yeah, you could almost mistake this for a pop album, mm-hmm. like a, a really like solid pop album with like <laughs> other influences uh, instead of like people looking at it and be like, oh, they're doing the you know Mexican folk thing and stuff. Yeah, I mean, so. we're not we weren't trying to make something esoteric, and yeah, I think yeah, yeah. that. You know, if your interest is in folk music, and that's what kind of got you started mm-hmm. making music in a way, or what kind of has been like a what's grounded us yeah. in a way, I think that you can't. It's so hard to kind of. I mean, maybe there's there's a certain grit on "Dog in This Fight," for example, but yeah. it's still. I think of it as a pop song in a lot of ways. It I guess it's, it's it's a pop song, and it's it's a it's a pop <clears throat> song in just the classic like theme of like love fighting for love and all that and stuff I mean mm-hmm. again classic themes mm-hmm. like this stuff uh, just uh, like you said put it through a little lens that uh, makes it like pop a little I guess mm-hmm. yeah um, so when you, you, you've been working on stuff when are you guys anticipating uh, having anything ready for release are you going to stick to the uh, album uh, model release I actually think, I think so I mean the way it's developing it feels like a album mm-hmm is developing and I think that that's how we still I know that it's kind of passe now but that's how we still listen to yeah music and I think even if I'm listening on Spotify I'm listening to an album yeah and uh, so I think that that's how I'm still picturing the new record I mean I think that there's so much material and bits and bobs that are kind of floating around um, that are things that are uh, different Mexican songs that we're kind of reworking, oh, nice. um, or kind of different things that band kind of is bringing to the plate. That I think there's going to be a lot of excess material. So I guess the trick is like, what do we do with that? What's something interesting yeah. we can do with all the other material? Yeah, because um, I think we'll end up having a lot of that. So it'll probably be like a ten or twelve song record, and then this other th- thing, this you know, other thing. that we'll figure out how to get that out into the world. We haven't really in the past we've recorded that, you know, just an excess amount of folk songs and like field recording mm-hmm. kind of type things but we haven't figured out the best way to put it out into the world sure and when the songs come together <laughs> is it something like did you have uh the bulk of it like in your head or is it is it like you get together and sort of jam and work it out because uh, you said there are all of you are or the rest of the band is actually coming to this mexican folk in their own way and mm-hmm. finding it yeah i mean it's generally the structure of the song the melody the lyrics um like verse chorus mm-hmm. kind of the that general bare bones is done before the band comes to it yeah um but then it's but everybody's kind of coming up with their own part as a band we're arranging it okay um sometimes my intuition my approach is a little too straightforward and so sometimes it's like the band that can help us like get it weirder and yeah, get it yeah, a little yeah. more like Absolutely. okay well we're not going to do that beat because you just can't, you can't right, put right. that beat in here. That's just <laughs> right, like, you can't do it. It's not you're not going to bring myself to play that, or right. you know, it has to be a real. Right. So I think that some of the songs stripped down even seem kind of more 
uh, I don't know. There's they're probably a little more boring yeah. in terms of like the arrangement ideas that I would come up with my sure. own. But um, but also, I mean, I'm as the band solidified more, and as we've done more records, like I'm writing to the band in some to degree. Band, like I'm yeah, writing yeah. to the strengths of the band. Yeah, because you know, you know that sort of what, start as jams. Yes, yeah, you know what tools you have at your disposal. Yeah. So the things that start as jams now, I can kind of. Uh, I know that like when we groove on this thing I'm messing around mm-hmm. with, it sounds awesome. So okay, well I'm going to keep working on that song, uh, or that groove that I had, or that rhythm. You know the kind of chord change on the harana sounded really cool with yeah. what Greg and Philip were doing in terms of the way right. they played off each other so nice. I write in response to that a lot nice are you guys going back to Newport this year or no not? no we're, the summers I mean we're doing a couple festivals here and there and some mm. southeast touring um, we are we're just in a funny place now with the you know the record Knock Knock Get Up came out a year and a half ago now yeah, yeah. so we're kind of in, in a funny between record cycle yeah. And just had a baby, so we're not like actively, like being like, let's go, yeah. you know, tour like crazy. <laughs> it's like no, it's eight o'clock. It's just like if things it, come to us, we're we're yeah. taking them. We're not turning down anything, but yeah. we're not actively seeking out cool much right now. And so it's that, it's just that ebb and flow of being in a band and now being a little older because yeah. in the early days we were just we were just pushing, go. pushing, pushing. Yeah, yeah. For everything, and yeah, everything. I know, I know. That's what, and you guys are friends with uh, Kingsley Flood, I think, <laughs> mm-hmm. and that's what they're doing now. Like, yeah. I don't even, I don't even understand like how <laughs> they're working right now, yeah. uh, but it's all good. So, uh, well, we're at about it looks like about twenty minutes, and it sounds like they're getting ready. So, thanks a lot, man. Yeah, my and, pleasure, Kevin. Uh, thanks so much. You guys have a great show tonight. Thanks, for what? Cool, man. Thanks for talking. Yep. That was our conversation uh, with David Wax. Um, one thing I want to point out that I found sort of uh, charming, actually, is that uh, besides having their uh, young daughter, Calliope, on tour with them, uh, the upstairs of the 930 Club was actually sort of baby central. Um, so a lot of people, whether it be friends, uh, people on the tour, uh, brought their children there. And so it was just babies hanging out everywhere. Uh, so it was really nice to see. I mean, we talked a little bit about uh, family supporting um, them as musicians like on the road and whatnot, uh, but you get the sense that it, it is it, it's not just like them their family uh, but it is a larger family that they've built up over the years and so that's something uh, that, that I don't know if you see too often and, and uh, it was it was definitely uh, it was very charming and very nice to see um, so thanks again to David Wax uh, and hopefully we will see him he'll hopefully be back to DC soon uh, but we will let you know as soon as we hear about tour dates for that uh on next week's podcast um we sat down this past saturday with eric from midlake before uh their opening gig for neil finn at the lincoln theater uh so you will hear from me andre and eric uh on that uh and then adam and i uh are going to be reviewing the latest afghan wigs record um it's the first record they've done in 16 years it is without uh one of the key band members uh, so we're going to see if that makes a difference uh, so until then uh, keep putting good shit in your ears and uh, we will talk to you next week 